My name is Kate the Socialite and you're listening to episode 199 of The Kate Show and this episode is brought to you by HoneyBook. If you are ready to have a professional client workflow that truly elevates your business, you need this easy to use online tool. Check out HoneyBook and use code SOCIALITE for 50% off your first year. Go to share.honeybook.com forward slash socialite or just use the code SOCIALITE at checkout. Okay guys. So today I have a wonderful interview for you. It is not every day that I get to have an accomplished award-winning interior designer on the podcast and Michelle Lynn of ML Interiors Group did not disappoint. With her Texas charm and no-nonsense approach to business, she and I hit it off from the moment we first met back in Palm Springs last fall. She had me on her show and I had to have her on my show because you all need to hear what she has to say. Hopefully you already know who she is. But if you don't, then this episode is going to be a great introduction to her. And I wanted her on the show for a few different reasons. Number one, she runs a profitable design firm without a huge team. She has a solid core team. And then number two, she bases her design business coaching on the principles that she had to learn the hard way. The best lessons come from mistakes. And could that mean learning from the mistakes we make negate the mistakes themselves? I mean, to a point, yes. And that's what good entrepreneurship looks like. A successful business isn't born overnight. It's not easy. It's not automatic. A successful business in design or staging or organizing is built successfully by a business owner who is humble enough to pivot when things aren't working and brave enough to charge forward when things get difficult. And they will get difficult. That's the nature of business. Michelle is inspiring because she is currently in the moment with running two businesses, maintaining a marriage, and raising a toddler. Her design business has survived many economic ups and downs, and her coaching company seeks to help you scale and do the same. Now, before I dive into my conversation with Michelle, let me tell you a little bit more about her. Michelle Lynn is the owner of ML Interiors Group, a design firm based in Dallas, Texas. She started her firm in 2008 while working in corporate America. It was also the year she got married and purchased her home and the year the market crashed. More than a decade later, she is still happily married and her interior design business is thriving. Michelle is also the owner and founder of Designed for the Creative Mind, where she teaches interior designers and decorators the proven practices, effective processes, and profitable systems to run their business with purpose and efficiency, leaving them more time to design. Through her comprehensive mentorship programs, Michelle inspires interior design business owners to weave intention into their business strategy and identify who they really are so they can refine their processes and attract more of what they want in their interior design business and their life. Michelle has been published on Forbes.com, where she inspires other entrepreneurs and business leaders in the greater Dallas area. Michelle adopted a newborn in 2018, loves Jesus but swears a little, and believes gratitude is a key ingredient to happiness. Without further ado, everyone, I give you Michelle Lynn. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Kate Show. I have the one and only Michelle Lynn. I don't think the world could handle if there were two Michelle Lynns. <laughs> I mean, in the best of ways. So, Michelle, thank you so much for being on The Kate Show today. 
Oh, Kate, I am so excited. I'm honored. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. So thank you so much for having me here. It's oh, like you a are... moment. Yes, you are very welcome. We've been following each other on social media. And then when we had the chance to meet in Palm Springs, it was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to be friends. I can tell. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> I know all about you. <laughs> yes, I've been stalking you from afar. Uh, but I really wanted to do this interview with you because you have a lot to offer the design industry in different facets. I mean, you are a successful, accomplished interior designer, you're a businesswoman, and then you're also able to help train up other designers who want to take the business side of their design firm seriously. So like, there's so much that we can talk about here, and we're going to try not to get too long-winded, but I had a hard time even keeping my questions short for you when I was preparing. So can you just start us off with the basics for those of you who may not be familiar with your story? How long have you been a designer and how did you become one? Well, I will also try to keep this short because we could go on for, for a long time with all of the topics to cover. But to start with, long story short, I did not go through your classically trained interior design path. I actually came out of two different industries, corporate, running two different business units that were multi-million dollar businesses. I was with a boutique recruiting firm here in Dallas. I was placing accounting and financial professionals on a contract or project basis and the area director for that when that company sold. And so I was like, okay, God, what next? Because while I loved the people I worked with and I had golden handcuffs, I did not love the industry. Like I really didn't like my job. I just loved the people I worked with and I was getting paid a bucket of money. So I could stay for a while. Sure. Well, when the company sold, I literally said, I think I read a book from Max Lucado talking about finding your passion. And I started, I started my business, Kate, it was called Home Staging, Organizing and Redesign by Michelle Lynn. Okay. I, I didn't even have enough confidence to say decorator or design or anything like that. And I named my company by Michelle Lynn because I figured if home staging, organizing and redesign didn't work, I could do gift baskets by Michelle Lynn or dog walking by Michelle Lynn or car washing or something. So I got into it literally just because I knew I was good at it. I just didn't know how to make a living. I started that in 2008 and that was the year I got married. That was the year we bought a house. And then that was the year the market crashed. Holy <laughs> so moly. It was, it was a he heck of a year. And about a year and a half, almost two years later, I was able to leave my corporate job. I stair-stepped out of management, went part-time and then just leaped into it. And then I really was doing mostly home staging. And then people were like, I love what you did with my house. Can you come help me with my new house? And so that grew my interest in, in that side of the business. And in 2013, the market in Dallas surged, the housing market. We literally would get a call on a Friday saying, hey, can you come stage our house, an occupied house on Wednesday or Thursday because we're about to list it. They put a sign in the yard and it said coming soon. They would call me on Monday or Tuesday saying, we've already got three offers. We don't need you to stage. So I had to totally pivot, sell off my inventory and really dig into the design business. Mm. So long story long. <laughs> no, like I, I didn't, I wasn't aware that's where you started, but I'm glad you started there because even though that sounds really difficult and frustrating, I hear similar stories all the time from my listeners who are mm -hmm. also designers. Like, 
you know, I, I don't have the confidence right now. I hope I will someday. And I know that's why confidence is something that you really built into all the things that you teach people, because if you had had the confidence that you have now, same with me, if I had had the confidence back then that I have now, well, that Mm -hmm. would be a totally different game. Yeah. But at the same time, confidence is a muscle. I think you have to really exercise it and step outside of that comfort zone to continue to grow it. Yeah. You have to be uncomfortable. You have to be okay with it. You have to be stretched in really awkward ways and then look back and be pretty darn proud of yourself for how far you've come. It's like yoga, a little bendy stretchiness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I do yoga, I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I doing this? (laughs) And then afterwards I'm like, okay, I feel very relaxed now. This is good. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Questions for you running your own business versus managing large corporations. I mean, both sound intimidating for different reasons. Mm -hmm. But when you transitioned away from managing a large corporation into managing just your own business, what things kind of surprised you? Like, I would imagine you had a certain level of confidence wearing those golden handcuffs, working in this cushy job. And then when all that gets, you know, removed and it's just you, Mm -hmm. you said you struggled with confidence, which we all do in the beginning, but were there any other fears or hurdles that really kind of blindsided you? So it's, it's kind of funny. Um, yes. Well, I lacked in confidence from my design, let's call it acumen experience. I was overconfident with the ability to run a business. So I was like, I'm a badass. I'm a badass. I ran this, you know, $6 million business over here and this $8 million business over there. I'm a badass. I fall flat on my booty. Okay. Like I fall flat on my booty with my own business because Kate, I wasn't running it like a business. So literally I come in with this overconfidence about my business skills, Mm -hmm. lack of confidence about my decorating and designing skills. So it was kind of odd there, but um, the difference is, is that with once I fell on my face basically and had an emotional breakdown I realized, well, Michelle, you're not running your business like a business. You're running it like a hobby. Like, because we're all good. I mean, when you get into design, it's because you're good at it. Okay. So I knew I was good at it. And so I was still treating it like I will, sure, I'll go over and I'll work for wine, which is what I was doing for my (laughs) friends for a long time. Nice. But the difference is, is that when I, when I had that breakdown, I had this epiphany of, well, you're running it like a hobby. Like you're just not taking it seriously. You're taking yourself very seriously, but not your business. And so I thought I had to be something else when in reality, I just needed to go back to the basics. And that was the businesses that I had run previously. They all had processes. They all had procedures. They all had documented ways of doing things. And I was just pulling things, you know, out of my ear and trying to come up with it. And I didn't write it down and I didn't repeat it and I didn't make it better. I was just improvising. So that was the, I think that was the biggest surprise is that a hobby is not a business and a business is not a hobby. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. It is such an important distinction to make because it affects every decision you make. It affects how other people view you and how you view yourself. And oh, that yeah. is something that I do get on a soapbox about because it has to do with your perceived value. Absolutely. And the way I present myself to my clients, Mm -hmm. because I'm showing up unprepared, just not 
and this is something that I teach a lot too, is that our clients are professionals. Professionals expect to hire a professional that shows up professional. Yes. And I just, I wasn't on my game because I didn't, I wasn't organized. I wasn't treating it like a business. It was just, I was almost as casual as when I would show up at my girlfriend's house working for wine, mm-hmm. yeah. thinking that I could get away with it. And I did for a while. I mean, I was able to leave my corporate job so I could wing it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't fun. Yeah. It's, the overwhelm is ridiculous. Oh, it for sure is. Mm-hmm. There's something crazy about starting a business. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past oh, or yeah. how many letters are after your name. It just levels the playing field. Like, oh, crap. It's like motherhood. It yes, levels actually. the playing field. <laughs> yes, very much so. And for all my listeners, uh, Michelle and I have daughters who are very close in age. So we're both kind of in the same phases right now with sassy little toddlers (laughs) (laughs) whom we love very much but my word yes it's a trial yeah (laughs) so when you were in the early stages of entrepreneurship and you said you were kind of just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks yeah which is what a lot of people start out doing including myself Mm -hmm. was there anything in regard to marketing that was like you were throwing stuff against the wall didn't work tried something else still didn't work And then on the flip side, what really worked? Because I had a question from one of my listeners, like next time you interview someone who's really successful, she was very specific, like an interior designer who's really successful. I want you to ask her this. And I was like, all right, so I'm asking you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for thinking that I'm very successful. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. God's been good. Okay. So what did not work was two things. I spent some money on print advertising for, I, I got a, a call or an email or something about being on the golf course directory. So it, let's say it's a golf course. And then we were advertising in their directory that didn't work at all, but I thought it would, because I thought my target market would be people who had money were playing golf. But first of all, it was not a very good golf course. So, so there was that other things that didn't work would be networking groups. So I'm not going to name any of them, but there's some that you just show up at once a week and you share leads and you have one-on-ones and meet people and, and all of that sort of jazz. Now I will say it did help me hone in on my, some of my messaging because I had to have an elevator pitch like once a week for a minute or whatever. But the people that were there that I was networking with, there was only one industry per seat. They never understood the level of luxury that design does. So my referrals, now it was great when I was staging because there was an active realtor. So it was helpful, especially now I I did go back. So right after COVID, I, I tried it again to see if at this point in my business, it would be effective as, as I was growing the business, what I was, I was hiring. And it's not because nobody understands that, you know, the way you transform a home is not by personal shopping at $75 an hour, which is what I used to do. That's fine. It is what it is. And there's a lot of audience that does that as well, but it's not that easy. So networking groups, short answer, mm-hmm. networking groups are just not effective. The trial and error has been on my, my lead magnets. Some of those work really well. Some of them didn't. So I would definitely say, see what resonates with your audience. My favorite paint colors. That was easy, but nobody wanted it. Amen to that. 
Yes, I see that across the board. It's not just you. It is yeah. not just you. So did that answer your question? Yes. Did I just go in six circles? Okay. No, that was actually really helpful. And I was over here trying not to laugh when you mentioned the particular networking yeah. group because I know exactly which one you're talking about. And that was the exact same reason I left the group because I yeah. was like, these referrals are forced, first of all. That's yes. never good. And second of all, yeah, you're right about the lack of understanding. Um, mm -hmm. I'm in a different industry than you are. But it's still creative and it still yeah. requires a certain level of comprehension, which, you know, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and, I, it's, and it's a bit of a luxury that you provide. Yes. So, so, and same thing here. So it's not as necessary as a title company or a plumber. Right. Which, who else was in that group? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I, I mean, I've heard of a few of my clients saying, oh yeah, like I'm part of that networking group and it's mm -hmm. actually worked out well for me. So I'm like, fantastic. Yeah, every now and then I meet a yeah. designer who gets leads from house that aren't trying to shop her. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Pick yourself up off the floor. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And even like the same thing with realtors. Like you would think realtors would be a really good lead in, even if they're luxury realtors, they don't always understand what we do. And, and just to make that connection of the problems that we solve for our clients. So, yeah. So yeah. things that have worked for me. Did you ask me that? Things I did. Yeah. And you said that some lead magnets did and some didn't. And I'm curious, did you notice the distinction between the ones that worked and the ones that didn't? Like, was it purely subject um, matter? Was it the format? That's, wow, that's a great question. I think they were all so different that I couldn't say it was the format or the colors or whatever, because I really wasn't on brand back okay. then. So the tracking would be instinct for the most part, got but it. I could see where I got more interaction on them and more actual downloads. Yes. So I could, I could track that. So my lead management's work, and that was back in the day, because this is something that you teach that I am like firm believer. And that is that you own your email list. Mm -hmm. Like you need to take people off of the social media platforms yep. and onto your email list. So mm -hmm. for me, that's, that's been the biggest thing that the lead magnets and also changing up my lead magnets. Mm -hmm. So you can't do the same thing over and over and over again for years. I have found that I change them up maybe every year or two you know, in a perfect world, I would do it every six months, but also having <laughs> multiple ones pouring into it. And then I have a quiz. I, I a quiz on my website has been very helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's super cool to know because my rule of thumb for people when they ask is, can I have more than one lead magnet? Yes. You should have one for every primary service that you offer. Some people have only one primary service and then therefore they need one lead magnet. Makes sense. And then there are some who We'll say, well, do I need to update it every month or every six months? And my rule of thumb there is like, if your business goes through a big change or if you rebrand or if you want to focus on a different service entirely, then yeah, you need to make sure your lead magnet keeps up with the changes of your business. So, I mean, you're right on track that with makes all sense, that. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Let's go back for one second to, you tried the marketing, some marketing things and they didn't work. And then you started to figure out what did work because you were treating your business more like a business and not like a hobby. When mm -hmm. you made that transition from hobby to business, how did that impact the rest of your business as far as like how you managed money coming in and out or how you would grow the team or your client process? Like how were those things impacted? Because I really want people to see this picture we we're painting of here's what it looks like to turn your hobby into a business, because we all know what it's like to have a hobby. We mm -hmm. need a business. So 
The biggest thing was I had to change my identity. And by that, I mean, I had to be the CEO of my business. It's funny. I have, so my married name is Michelle Pant. It's my last name, Pant. My middle name is Lynn. So Michelle Lynn is my business name. So I actually had to take on a persona of Michelle Lynn, the badass businesswoman who also decorates. And then there's Michelle Pant who goes home at night. Okay. So I literally, and it sounds kind of weird and woo woo, but I had to step out of myself. Who's a people pleaser. Who's and you might laugh, but I, I don't brag on myself. Well, I don't promote myself. I'm not self-promotional or I wasn't Michelle Pant isn't Michelle Lynn is. So I literally, in order to make that transition, I had to separate and, and have that business person. And because I was struggling with it, I literally had to have those two different names to be two different people. Like, yeah, Michelle Pant might do that, but Michelle Lynn wouldn't like she knows better because she knows how to run a business and now she's stepping into that. So not everybody has that luxury of having, having an alias, but I, I, it's an exercise that I do advocate is like step out of yourself and be the business person and put those processes into place even when, again, it's, it's not comfortable. Yeah. It's not comfortable because you, you have to tell clients no sometimes because that's not my process, but that's not how I do it. The strategy was truly so that I could step away from my business and not be my business. Yes. So I I'm a firm believer. I don't want to work weekends. I don't want to work evenings. I don't want to work holidays. My goal is with Genevieve, my, you know, a little three-nager when she's in kindergarten or more, like, can I go volunteer in her school? Like, I want to have that ability. I didn't have a child back then, but I knew I didn't want to work a lot and I can make more money and work less by having processes and procedures in place. Yes. Yes. And, you know, as soon as you started talking about the alias and being one step removed from yourself, mm-hmm. that's not the answer I was expecting. You could not be more spot on because <laughs> that's what I did too with Kate the Socialite. Believe it or not, Kate the Socialite is not my legal given name. (laughs) (laughs) Kate the Socialite. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And well, and Kate isn't even what people call me in my real life. Like people call me Katie, but my name isn't even Katie. It's Caitlin. It's like, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So yeah, Yeah. you can understand that. But even if your name is, you know, Mary Smith, If you're Mary Smith, the designer, you can take that persona on in your business Mm -hmm. and still have Mary Smith, the best friend, the wife, the mother, the Mm -hmm. whatever. And I think that you just have to own that identity as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And And also each identity is still authentic. It's not that we're putting on a costume. Yes. That's such a great point because your, your prospective clients and your clients will see through it. And in fact, I'm going off a little bit off topic, but it's so important. So when I first got into design, I thought I needed to be all quote, and I'm doing air quotes, designery. I needed to be all designery, right? And I needed to be this and I needed to be that. Once I figured out that that was BS, it's such a freedom to just be yourself. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be everything. You don't have to be like somebody else. You just be yourself. And yes. people see that authenticity of that, of that alias 
and they they're attracted to it. Yes. Oh, I completely agree. And the crazy thing is it, it does bring a certain level of confidence being able to say, this is me in my professional clothes, you know, mm-hmm. like that's Kate, the social aid, that's my professional outfit. Right. So but, really if people look at it as you're still you, but you're putting on a different outfit, one that suits the occasion, then that makes sense. And you don't have to feel like you're a fraud or an imposter. You're not trying yeah. to be someone you're not. You're just bringing out this other facet of who you were created to be. Love that. Absolutely. It is. It's just a different outfit. Yes. And you still look fabulous. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Today's episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by the Window Coverings Association of America. If you're an interior designer, a window treatment specialist, or an installer looking for business growth, listen up. With an annual membership to the WCAA, you'll receive trade discounts, ongoing education, and an exclusive listing in their homeowner-facing directory of professionals which, by the way, guys, makes it a lot easier for people to find you. Whether you've been working in the home industry forever or you're fresh out of design school, the WCAA can help you take your business to the next level, whether you're just trying to scale up or you're just getting started. Go to wcaa.org for more details. I've got a really hot-button question for you. What do you think is more important, business knowledge or design skill? Or is there any difference between the two? Are they equally important? So they're equally important, but you can't have a design business without business skills. Yes. So you could be the greatest designer in the world and not make a nickel doing it because you are not continuing to sharpen your business saw. I've seen that a lot too. They'll produce the most beautiful work, but then, you know, I'll get an email saying I've got to actually shut my doors. And I'm like, no, the world needs you. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. But at the same time, if your designs are butt ugly, you're not going to have a business either. So (laughs) So you need to have some sort of skills. But then at the same time, like there's, I mean, there's somebody for everybody. What I consider butt ugly, somebody else considers beautiful. Exactly. I mean, my husband and I will even look at the same thing and he'll be like, ew, like what's, what is this? And I'm like, are you kidding? I love that. Why can't our house look like that? And and then vice versa as well. So it's just, Mm -hmm. I pity the designer who has to work with us, but (laughs) marriage counseling is part of our, is part of our job. It's just not written into the scope of work. (laughs) Yeah. So that is something that I have heard from like every designer. I, you guys have to have so many skill sets to pull this off the therapy and then being able to really figure out what people need, not just what they think they need Mm -hmm. and then making that all work within their budget like it makes my head spin oh my gosh I was just talking to do you know Jamie Lieberman with hashtag legal yes I don't know her personally but I know who she is so she's lovely I was talking to her today I'm actually interviewing her for my podcast ironically we were talking about contracts and she was talking about how our contracts in the interior design industry are some of the most complicated contracts across the board and it's because our jobs are so ridiculously complicated yeah I got into this business thinking I was just going to make house, you know, make spaces pretty and, you know, charge a bucket of money and not work 40 hours. And holy moly, it's not that at all. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler (laughs) alert to everyone listening. (laughs) It's not that easy. You do have to have a ton of skills. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. And that is where the other part of what you do is so important. Because as you've built this design firm and you figured out what works and what doesn't, 
you're able to then share that with other designers so they don't necessarily have to go through every single pitfall oh that gosh. the rest of us had to. So yes. can you tell me how your how did you get to that point? Because it's one thing to have one one successful solid business, like, okay, I feel good about this. And then to add another layer on top of it of, okay, let me go teach people. How did that happen? <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment, Kate. So when I first started my business and I would reach out to other designers and ask questions, it was crickets, crickets. Like there was nobody there that would answer my questions. How do you price? How do you do this? How do you do that? And granted, I was, you know, kind of unseasoned to just ask, but that's all I knew how to do. I did. And I promised myself that when I figured it out, that I would share it. So like when I find a good recipe, I share it with my friends. If I find a good wine, I share it with my friends. Like, Hey, you guys need to check this out. It's really good. So I promised myself I, when I figured it out, I would share fast forward a lot of pain and suffering and money lost and curse words said and whatnot. When I went to adopt my daughter, Genevieve, it was domestic. We left, um, we left Texas for a month because you have, anyway, long, that's a whole different conversation. We left for a month. My team never called. Like I was calling them saying, is everything okay? And they're like, yeah, everything's fine. We're just following the processes that we wrote down over the past few years. I was like, okay, great. Then I get home and I've got Genevieve here and they're still not calling. I'm on maternity leave. They're not calling. So I go to the studio with my kid. And I'm like, Hey, what's going on over here? Everything's fine. So I knew then that the same time that my daughter was born, this other line of business was born because this stuff worked. Yeah. So when I knew that it worked, I basically had the foundation. So I literally took every Wednesday after I came back from maternity leave, took that day out of my design business and created the content for what is now designed for the creative mind. It's a, yeah. So it's where God wants me. The most amazing thing to be able to step out of one role, let that business run itself. I'm still involved, but Debbie and Megan, they do all the work. <laughs> and it's cool that you have that real life business to point back to and be like, here's how I know what I'm talking about. And here's how yeah. you can be certain. I know what I'm talking about because it's working right now, right here in front of you. And that's, that's so true because there's one point where this business has been doing, you know, I just have such a passion for it. I was like, oh, I could just close ML Interiors Group and do this. But no, we have to stay relevant. Mm -hmm. We have to know what's going on in the market. Like right now, we're feeling the same pain and suffering with the supply chain yeah. as everybody else. So yeah. how are we handling it? This is what I need is I need to be on top of real life every day and staying successful so that I can pass that on as things change. Because it's yes. changing all the time. It is. This is a really dynamic industry. It's exhausting and wonderful. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I'm not even an interior designer, but I just look at all the things that are changing and the different ways the economy impacts this industry that it doesn't necessarily impact other industries just to the same level. And it's just like, yeah, wow. Who wow. knew COVID was going to be such a windfall for interior designers? <sighs> it's the silver lining. You know, we got to try to see the positives. We have to do that. Otherwise, we'll all get really depressed and frustrated. It's, it's been absolutely crazy. And the home industry is going to keep doing really, really well, especially with a housing shortage. Everyone's like, well, I guess I'll stay here and remodel. You know, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's yeah, it's crazy. So yeah. I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. So, Michelle, what is your advice to people who 
are new to the business world. Maybe they're not new to design. They have the skills, but they're new to business and they're like, where do I even start? They might be a solopreneur. They might have an assistant. They might want to bring on a junior designer, but they just feel like they've got a hundred different thoughts bouncing around in their head and none of it makes sense. And it almost immobilizes them. What would you tell them? I would tell them two things. One is put your blinders on and don't do the comparison game. Okay. They're, like comparison is the thief of joy. So that, that goes for everybody at any point in your, in your career. But I would also say that the next thing is to find a group of like-minded individuals to surround yourself with, to, to continue elevating your business. Now a group is free. Basically I would from there promote getting a business mentor, mm-hmm. a coach, a paid coach, Compared to when I started, there's a bunch of beautiful and amazing individuals to coach you along your path. Mm-hmm. So I, I thankfully, I came across um, Toby Fairley, who helped me kind of tie things up after I had figured almost everything out. Mm-hmm. And I think she was a groundbreaker in regards to coaching for interior designers. And I, gosh, if she would have been available five, 10 years prior to me having met her, it would have been amazing. So get somebody to lead you. It's like a Sherpa, get a Sherpa to lead you (laughs) up that mountain. (laughs) Yes. There's a reason those people exist in the mountain climbing world and the business world. And yeah. And yeah, when I invested in at the time, what was a yeah. very expensive online course for my business uh-huh. that made all the difference. And then I worked with an actual business coach in real life. Yes. It, who's lovely. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I, it made the difference. That's yep. when I actually started having an income and it was, it, it's something I would do it all over again. If I had to, I completely would. And I know that a lot of people are like, well, I don't know if I can afford the, the expense. And it's like, well, it's that, or a lot of us will just go out of business because we aren't meant to operate businesses as little islands. We're supposed to be villages. And I love the village metaphor because everyone is known for their certain thing. You know, this one is the healer, oh. this one is the chief, this one is the whatever. Nobody is running around trying to be all the things all the time. Oh, that is, that is so true. You're the blacksmith, you're the baker, you're the mm-hmm. candlestick maker. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, that's so true. And you coached with Nancy, who I just think the world of, and it's not an expense. It's an investment. A good coach pays for themselves. It is an investment. And I actually coached with Michelle Williams. Um, I also am very familiar with Nancy. Oh, wait, no, 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 you're right. Mm -hmm. Michelle Williams. I was my bad. No, uh, to your point though, there are quite a few good coaches in Mm -hmm. the design industry. And it's really a matter of finding the one that fits where your business is at and then which personality you like, because they're all very different personalities Yeah, and then going with it and committing to it. It's just exactly what we do with our clients. Yes. There, you can throw a stone and hit an interior designer here in Dallas. <laughs> the difference is, Not recommended, but, you could. Recommended. <laughs> um, but it's going to be, who do you resonate with? Who understands you? Who has a similar level of communication style and so yes. forth. So I definitely recommend find yourself a group because like you said, you don't need to be an Island. And then when you can, when you have the financial means, grab a freaking coach because they will take you to that next level 
and you're going to make your money back exponentially. Yes. And, you know, business does involve a little bit of risk. It -hmm. involves being uncomfortable. It involves a lot of decisions where it's like, well, I don't know if this is going to work, but worst case scenario, like I'm still, I'm going to be okay. So I just have to go for it. Mm -hmm. Now tell me, how do you serve interior designers? I know you do a lot of different things, but this, (laughs) this is where I want you to list it all out because I know there are a lot of designers listening that are at the point in their business where they need design for the creative mind. Mm -hmm. And I want them to know about all the ways you can support them. Well, thank you. So the first and easiest is going to be, I have a Facebook group and yeah, I know it's Facebook and not everybody loves Facebook, but it's a great place to host a group. It's called the interior designers business Launchpad. It is an amazing community that people support each other. So we have that currently, I'm going to be breaking off and creating another group that is strictly for, um, it's not for business, it's strictly for design questions and so forth, because the business launch pad is, I really want to focus on the business. So we have the interior designers business launch pad. I have designed for the creative mind podcast as well, which you were on recently and mm-hmm. so much fun. Um, what else do we have? We have an interior design business success summit that we host in Dallas, Texas, the fourth quarter of every year. This year, it's going to be October 12th through the 14th. And then we have the Interior Design Business Bakery, which is my paid program. That's a year-long mentorship program that literally takes um, individuals and you can make five and six-figure leaps in your business. Um, And then I'm creating another platform that it will take from from the first year to the second year that's going to be called the Upper Crest that will continue polishing your business. So I think that's it. But designedforthecreativemind.com has it all. Awesome. Uh, And that's it. It's just all those many, many, many things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. I've got a few other things in the pipeline that I'm working on too. I'm super excited to roll that out this year. Well, that's because you're an entrepreneur and we just flooded with our own ideas. I get so lit up just watching these mostly women Mm-hmm. that come into their own, have their badassness, yep. you know, that they can live, that they, they really own it now. And it's mm-hmm. so got this, like I said earlier, this, I know this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too, because it kind of gives me goosebumps when you think about the difference a confident woman can make in her family. Yes. Mm-hmm. It changes the trajectory. It does. It but does. Like, She sets an example for her daughters and her granddaughters Mm -hmm. and her sons, and she shows them what is possible. And it's more than just about running a business where you're earning more than you're spending. It is about actually creating a legacy for your family. And I know that's where a lot of my listeners are at. They're like, you know, yes, I need to make money. It's not just about that, though. It is about how you view yourself and your place in the world, where you were meant to be, where your calling is. And I know that you and I share a faith in that, that we truly believe each person is here for a specific reason and blessed with certain talents and skills. And that's why we cannot be duplicated. You know, it might be cliche, but it's actually true. One of the things that I, that I really want like to share is that pricing when it comes down to your services is so subjective, but we have to remember that we are made in the image of God and that we truly bring our gifts and share with others. 
And if you're creating a space that is nurturing and healing and well-organized, and it feels like a hug, then you should be paid good money for that. Yes. It's valuable. It's valuable. And we just, we take this for granted so much. And it's like you said, it's not all about the money, Mm -hmm. but what if you can run this business and pay for your family's vacation? Yeah. You're paying for experiences or pay for your children's education as they get older or heck, even if it's just, you know, not having to sacrifice selections when you renovate your own darn kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, there is so many facets to being a successful business owner mm-hmm. and success is measured differently by everybody. Yes. And that is such a good thing. I'm glad you brought that up because we can get caught up in, like you said, the comparison game. Well, she got her own line of wallpaper. I'm nowhere near that. Like, okay, but is that even what you want? Was that ever on your bucket list? If not, that's okay. Yeah, seriously. Like I have no, well, I'm not going to say no desire, but my (laughs) my driving (laughs) desire is not to be published in House Beautiful or Varan or whatever. That's not my drive. My drive is to change these people's homes, you know, through good design and change these people's lives through good business. Yes. So yeah, success is different. And you never know, like I might look like an overnight success because you're just now hearing about me. Girl, I've been doing this for a long time and I have a lot of bruises. Yeah. Same. Same. I know there, there is no such thing as an overnight success. And if there is, they usually don't last. I'm talking mm-hmm. about all the viral TikTokers. Let's just, <laughs> let's just say it that way. Yes. Uh, but no, true success is something that is born out of blood, sweat and tears. And mm-hmm. when you have the right people like yourself guiding you, there can be a lot less blood, sweat and tears, which is fantastic. You still yeah. got to do the work. You still have to have the, that ethic, but when you can learn from someone else, it's like, oh, that was so much easier. Oh my god, So much faster. And that's why I created this platform. I teach what I wish I would have had. Mm-hmm. It's not the only way. It might not even be the best way, but it's it's damn good. Yeah. Pardon my French. It's, it's, it's really, really good. And mm-hmm. I'm not selling a franchise. So you can take it and, and tweak it for what works for you and your brain and your business. Yes. So yeah, again, success is different for everybody, whether it's more that you want to be more present at home at night and not checking your phone or worrying about something or trying to hit unrealistic deadlines or paying for that family vacation. Or, I mean, there's so many different ways you could look at it. Yeah. So really coming full circle, you have to know yourself. You Mm -hmm. have to know what your definition of success is. Mm -hmm. And then you can start mapping out who you are as a business, because without those things, and then also I got in there, who is your client? You know, that's something that you teach as well, (laughs) which that's very important to know, but you can't really know your client until you know yourself. And you can't really know yourself until you list out what's actually important to me. Yeah. And knowing that that's going to change. Who I am today is not who I was even three years ago as a business person or as a business, the business evolves. I do have a really good, um, if you guys, where is it? You know what? I'll get you the link. Um, If you you want to put this in the show notes, it is the um, review and planning guide. And this has been a tool that has been instrumental. I used to go through every once every six months to a year and go through this practice of examining my business from the outside. And now it just kind of becomes natural. But once a year, it's like, what am I good at? What am I not good at? What do I like to do? What don't I like to do? Like 
what worked this year, what didn't work, what was the best client and blah, 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 blah. And it really just takes the emotion out of it and allows you to like examine you and your business as it is today and help you plan for where you want to be tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's good having structure and answering those questions, because if we just answer them mentally, it's not the same as actually being able to write them down and look at it and share it with your team or your spouse. Mm -hmm. It gives you clarity. It's like, it's like journaling for your, for your business. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. journal, but for me, like I pray in my journal, Yeah, just like writing it out or I plan in my journal and I write it out and it just Mm -hmm. gives you that I mean, words on a paper, it's like, oh, shoot, that's real. <laughs> yes, it does make it real. Kind of yeah. crazy, but it, it it does something in our brains, which I cannot explain. But <laughs> No, you're right. There's something physiological that happens when you actually write it out and not type it out. Mm. So there's a connection from your hand to the letters, to the brain and the energy that the mind and the energy that comes out mm-hmm. as well. So it's phys- yeah. we'll just say it's physiological. It works. <laughs> That's all we know. <laughs> Oh, well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been informative and entertaining and everything that I knew you would bring. Thank you. Oh, girl, it is always such a pleasure to spend any time with you. I'm racking my brain trying to figure out how we can get more. Well, so yes. Thank I mean, you for I, having me. I think that we should do a panel. I think that we should do some sort of virtual event. I don't know, but I yeah. think it would all be very fun. So I think so. It's it's in the works. We've talked about that offline. Yes. So yes, we'll we have that. talked about it. There are so Stay many tuned. plans in the works. Um, <laughs> so everybody listening, thank you so much for being here. Please get connected with Michelle. You can go to designforthecreativemind.com to learn about her and all she has to offer. And also please go listen to her podcast, not just because I was on there, but because it's actually really good. It's really, (laughs) it's really informative. And if you like what you heard today, you're going to hear a lot more of that over on her show. All right, guys, until next time, keep your marketing simple, your message clear, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at the Kate Show Podcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.